The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Out here in Apache Junction, uh, Arizona, uh, Tempe, Arizona, but nearby is Apache Junction, the desert. My good friends put on a house concert where singer-songwriters of all kinds come through and play their their music for us desert people and one of those such was mike vitale he's a singer songwriter based out of los angeles california he is currently out touring the united states in support of a full-length album called 12 new songs uh over the past written over the past few years as well as 11 new singles he's releasing over the course of 2023 that will eventually lead to a complete 12 song album called desert dogs well there you go he's even got it in his album title welcome to the show mike Vitaly, how are you doing? I'm really well. How about yourself, my friend? I'm good, man. I, I heard your cat has fleas and you've been going crazy, getting ready to go on tour. Uh, well, when do you hit the road? Uh, I'm leaving on Tuesday, actually. I'm coming right through Apache Junction, matter of fact, too. So I'm looking forward to seeing you, hopefully. That'd be cool. Okay, so you're playing Tuesday. at uh, a... At, uh, and fleas, past tense. Because I, I worked my butt off today trying to make sure that cat doesn't have fleas anymore. Much to her chagrin. I mean, she was very upset by the whole process, I feel like. But, you know. <laughs> and so, are you, do you live out there alone? Are you in Los Angeles living alone? What's your life like? Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I have a, a little 1926 bungalow in a, a neighborhood called Eagle Rock, which is between mm -hmm. Glendale and Pasadena. It's a beautiful spot there's coyotes trotting about late at night it's a beautiful area i'm like i know here. eagle rock I mean, that's where yeah. there was that one uh what's the what's the area that was right there nearby eagle rock that become inundated highland park no starts with an s <laughs> oh uh silver lake probably is that it? Silver Lake, that's it. And then so Eagle yeah. Rock was the new Silver Lake, basically. A little bit further out, and you could still afford it, at least like five years ago or ten years ago. It's probably oh, the new Silver Lake now. But so, it's okay, let's talk yeah. a little bit about the getting ready for the road thing. How long are you going out for, and what's the sort of rituals of getting ready for the road? Because I wanted you to play some music, but you're like, I can't, man, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I've yeah. just been getting ready for the road and it's too freaky. My cat has fleas. And so it's like, what? Had I, fleas. I, I, had okay, fleas. well, your cat had fleas. My, your dog <laughs> ate your homework. You can't play a tune for us. It just can't do it, man. I, maybe if I come back again, I'll do it. It's like, come on, man. This is it. This is showbiz, bro. It's like, you got to be able to pick up a guitar at a moment's notice and be like, hello. Ooh, I can play a song anytime yeah. I want to. It's not that big of a deal, man. But I will say this. I do understand the torture of getting ready for a tour. And we could do a little bit on that because there is something that happens. It is, it is a psychological hurdle to uh, get ready to go on the road. So um, you're going on Tuesday. What, what have you been getting done and ready before this tour you're going on? 
Well, I mean, today was spent just trying to get my car repaired, you know, just making sure that it's not going to break down in the middle of nowhere because that has happened to me. You know, I've been in the middle of Florida and my car just suddenly stops working. Um, the transmission went out on it in the middle of, I don't even know where I was exactly. And uh, the, the best thing about it was I had, um, it was just coming out of the pandemic and I had canceled my roadside assistance during the pandemic to try to save a little bit of money and didn't realize that I hadn't reinstated it again. So I discovered the hard way broke down on the side of the road in Florida <laughs> that I had, I had zero roadside assistance. Um, so what did it you was do? An did you hitchhike? What, how did you get out of that? Well, a friend of mine ended up uh, putting me on her AAA account and uh, managed to snake about, I think, 35 miles of towing off of that. That got me to an auto zone or something of that sort. And then I was towed to a Honda dealership from there out of pocket. And um, hmm. they didn't know what was wrong with my car either. It was a fantastic experience. But, so you know, when after you're going that, to get your car, okay, go ahead. Well, after that, though, I, I learned a lot of uh, good lessons, you know, like, like what? <laughs> well, <laughs> just prepping my car and making sure that it's not, hopefully that doesn't happen again, you know, but then again, okay, I don't know. So you, you did that again today. You went and took it in. What did they say was wrong with it? Did you get it? Did you get a bill? What? What's up? Oh, yeah, yeah. I just needed to replace the brakes on it. That was it. Like there was a little um, bit of brake life left on it, but uh, I just wanted it because I'm I'm going to be probably driving about eight or ten thousand miles on it, so I wanted to make dude, sure. Dude, replacing that... the brakes if you're talking about fully replacing some brakes is huge. Where you talk about replacing some brake pads, that's nothing. But if you're talking about full brake, the brake booster, all this, we're talking thousands of dollars. So you must be no, talking about no. It was it was, it was brake pads. Yeah, it was all right, anything. dude. Yeah, all right, it wasn't anything too crazy. I still think this this doesn't sound so traumatic that you couldn't play a song for us. But okay, so the cat had fleas and you're packing up and you're getting real. Well, talk about songwriting then, man. What do you love about songwriting? What is what has led you to this life of of going on the road and doing this and doing this sort of independent home concert sort of touring? Because it's it's grueling. I mean, you have to drive long, long hours to go do gigs. How many how many shows are you getting ready to do, and what led you to this life? Well, I love telling stories. That's my main motivation with all of this. And as I've grown as a songwriter, I feel like I've also grown as a storyteller. We, I, I feel like initially when I started writing songs, a lot of what I would write would be brokenhearted love songs or love songs, you know. Uh, unrequited love, that sort of stuff. And as I've gotten older, um, I've found the beauty of being a troubadour, telling the story of, of human existence. There's a wealth of stories all around us. Sometimes I hear them from other people. Sometimes I find them through podcasts like this. Like I was listening to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend while I was on uh, my last tour or the tour before last. And he started talking about a, a gentleman named Phineas Gage who was a railroad foreman in 1848. And uh, have, have you ever heard of the, the story of Phineas Gage before? No. So he was a railroad foreman. And at that time, this was before like dynamite existed. But when you needed to level the field to lay down train tracks, 
um, you in order to get rid of boulders and felsenmere and that sort of stuff, you would have to drill these deep holes into those boulders, put gunpowder in them in a fuse, and then pack it full of sand with a thing called a tamping rod. And the tamping rods are about one meter long, uh, inch and a half in diameter, and about 13 pounds. And uh, one day Phineas was doing his job as a demolition foreman and forgot to put the sand in there as a buffer. So when he shoved the tamping rod in there, it ignited the gunpowder and shot it right back into his face. And it went mm. through his cheekbone and it came out the top of his skull. And uh, he was on the ground for about three minutes and then miraculously he came back to his feet and was speaking and was cognitive and was alive. And he had an enormous hole in his head. And that's the last song that I, I, I finished writing. Is It's called The Curious Case of Phineas Gage and His Brain. And I just find all kinds of stories like that about people's lives and try to encapsulate it into a song. And uh, I feel like a lot of the times when I'm writing songs, I ta tailor the music now to whatever the story is. And so hmm. I don't really feel bound by genres and that kinds of stuff. I'm using the music to try to... Uh, propel the song forward and make it interesting for an audience, I guess you could say. So he had songwriting. a hole that went, that went through his brain all the way through. Like it was like, yeah. or, or uh, we're talking yeah. a hole about that big out of the top huh. of his skull, his, his, his skull and that tamping rod are on display at Harvard medical school because wow. he's an anomaly to this very day. They don't know how he survived this traumatic accident <laughs> and what about that compels you to just like i hear a story like that and i think like that's interesting and that's weird and freaky and wow but it wouldn't compel me to write a song about it like i would just be almost like what do you, what do you think about that song made you take it from the level of wow that's kind of a weird conan o'brien story on his podcast to i want to write a song about this and sing about this night after night i think it's it's a bit of comedy like uh can i make a story like that funny and maybe that's a little bit of a, a grotesque thing but that's kind of how my sense of humor works sometimes i have a bit of a dark sense of humor and i i would tried to make the song as funny as possible and it's worked out really well I, I i've been playing it for for audiences kind of testing it out and and a lot of the people laugh hysterically as i play the song and so it's 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 a it's a it's a true story and it's something that maybe we can all kind of find humor into in some sort of strange way you know does it have uh, I, any deeper implications of the human condition Perhaps maybe in just the mystery of, of life and the mystery of people surviving things like that. I mean, to this very day, nobody understands how this, this gentleman was able to survive this 12 years later. I, or perhaps he, he, we he all do self-destructive things that um, end up being sort of akin to a giant hole in our heads and yet somehow survive and live beyond them anyway. Maybe there's something to it that way. Potentially, I don't know. But I, 
uh, stories attract me for whatever reasons and a lot of of uh storytelling i i feel like is just the pursuit of trying to make an engaging experience out of sharing a story with people you know and, and so getting and, uh, out there on on the road and, and driving long distances and doing like home concert series what's that like uh, touring in america and doing you know just a sort of home concert circuit um what's the longest you'll drive in between gigs and how many gigs are you going to have on this tour coming up and how far will you go um i've been trying to maximize as many shows as i possibly can sometimes i'm doing two in a day uh sometimes i'm most of the time i'm just doing one a day but really i'm trying to be reasonable with the amount of time I'll drive in a day, but I've, I've done eight to 10 hour drives to get to the next show if I need to, but it's, it's all a matter of routing and I'm, I'm my own booking agent. So I'm, I'm doing the best I can with what I have available to me. Um, I'd say like on average, I'm, I'm trying to get things down to four to six hours between shows, you know? Um, but it's been a beautiful experience. I have the opportunity to to meet people that I probably never otherwise would meet unless it was through playing music, and I think that's really cool. And it's personable. Oftentimes I'm playing shows for about 50 or 60 people in a living room or in their backyard. And uh, the opportunity to hang out and have conversations with them afterwards is is amazing. Like I was in San Rafael the other day and met a bunch of beautiful people there and then traveled up all the way to Washington. And uh, the show that I played up in Washington was a bunch of engineers that worked for Boeing. So it was a, a lot of, it was kind of a highbrow audience. It was really cool. Like talking to people that are creating <laughs> all sorts of amazing things that they can't even really talk to me about because they're top secret in some sort of way. You know why would they want you to come play songs for them like why how do you end up with a bunch of engineers at boeing wanting to hear you come sing songs who knows um you, you have no idea i have no idea to be honest with you i think probably it's it's one person that's hosting the show that really loves music and loves supporting artists like myself that aren't signed to a label that are doing everything themselves are providing an opportunity for me to have an audience that's there to listen to the music that I created with my imagination. I mean, thinking about it otherwise, if I wasn't doing that, I might be playing at a bar somewhere and competing with this couple that hasn't seen each other for like five years and are catching up and having a conversation. And this other couple over here that are on their first date. And uh, they have every right to be talking and hanging out and having a good time. And in a house concert type environment, it's a listening room and I can actually entertain people and tell stories uh, about my life and other people's lives and so forth. And I think that these people, they, they genuinely love music or at least like what that gentleman in Washington told me was that he selfishly got tired of going to venues and bars and there being all these people that were talking over the top of the music and he wanted to create a listening room environment so that the artist could shine in that capacity. Um, that, least cool. that was, that was from his own, you know, personal from the horse's mouth, but then he yes. wouldn't tell you what Boeing is working on 
because nope. that would be very convenient if you could borrow one of their sort of small time private jets to fly between these gigs, right? I mean, what do you think? How do you do you intend to just keep going like this, or do you want to expand somehow, grow the career? Um, how do you intend on doing that, or do you intend on doing that? I absolutely intend on doing that. I think what my motivation is, is to meet as many people as I possibly can and make friends. And I'm finding in life in the pursuit of doing that, it's incredible the doors that open for you and just making friends. It also and, would be a good idea when you go on a radio station to play a tune so people can hear your music, man. Like that's also just, just a suggestion, but let me take a quick break and we'll be right back after these words right. on TNT. TNT's Kate Shimarani. They want you dead. It's a depopulation agenda. I hate to break it to you. The government are not your mommy and daddy. You are. Walk in authority. Take control of your own health. It, it's not the healthcare service. It's the homicide service. <laughs> That's what they're doing. From the minute you're born, they're injecting you. Actually, they're injecting you while you're in vitro now. It's about making you sick, keeping you sick, treating you, killing you, disposing you, and charging you for the luxury. And we don't want that. We want you to live a long and healthy life so that you too can look like Klaus Anal Schwab of the World Economic Forum, that bloke in the skin suit. We can live forever. We should be living till we're 120. Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. And we're back with Mike Vitale, singer-songwriter in Eagle Rock, California. So, uh, Mike, what do you think of California recently in the in the crazy shifts of the world and the political climate of it? I mean, is California where you intend to stay or does the state of it make you want to look elsewhere to live? I think that's a fantastic question to ask. Um, I've I've was born and raised in California and it's always going to be an endearing place for me but to be honest with you um it's incredibly expensive to live here traveling around all over the United States has has uh brought that to my attention a great deal like just about everything that is in California is expensive and Granted, the weather is absolutely incredible here. It's beautiful. There's just about every kind of environment under the sun that you can possibly ever want. It all resides in California, but um, it's expensive living here. Uh, I was, uh, you know, the last time we were hanging out and we went on a hike together, we were talking about me considering getting an RV and traveling all over the United States in an RV. And one of my other musician friends talked me out of doing that because of rent. And he was right. He was saying, you know, you've you've locked yourself into this really great rent, you know, and where you're living, and you're never going to be able to find that again if you get rid of it. And he's absolutely right. My neighbor moved out, and my rent, his the rent that he was paying jumped by double. 
the moment he moved out and the next person moved in. And um, I feel like that encapsulates California a bit. Not that it's it's expensive living just about anywhere, but there's a lot of commodities all over the place that I'm noticing are exponentially cheaper just about everywhere else. Say off the top of my head, like gas, for example. Gas is uh, so much more expensive in California than it is everywhere else. Which I've, I've heard varying reasons for why that is, but um, as a consumer uh, trying to survive, it's, it's a difficult thing to circumnavigate, I feel like. Shoot, even just buying cat food. I mean, have you been noticing this recently, Joe? Like, I went and bought a, a bag of cat food the other day at Target. And it was $22 for that bag of cat food. The cat food price hasn't really changed all that much. It went up about $3. What I did notice is that the cat food bag uh, got half as big as it was before. Mm -hmm. You know? So it went from being like six pounds or eight pounds to like four pounds. And I, f I find that to be really curious. You know, just I'm seeing a lot of companies do that sort of stuff. Yeah, inflation, but beyond financial stuff, though, man, there's like, you know, there's degradation in the streets now in terms of like the blue cities are all sort of going crazy. Uh, you know, it, it seems like living in these big cities is becoming dystopian and, and whatnot. And I would think uh, I'm just speaking for myself, but I lived in New York City for 25 years and in Brooklyn, back and forth between those two. And, and I loved it. But I've been in Tempe, Arizona now for two years, and I am not looking back. I am not looking to go move back to New York at all. And I'm a city guy. I've been a city guy. But I just I feel like the world has shifted at, um, to a place where it's much more appealing to live um, outside of cities or if you're going to live in a city at all, make it a small one that's uh, got a lot of nature nearby. It just seems much more appealing. I, I feel like the allure of living in a place like New York or San Francisco or Los Angeles, although they're still cool. I mean, I'm not hating on if you're in New York or and you're in L.A. or you're in San Francisco. I'm sure you can still have a nice life. I went and played some shows in New York recently. I loved it. I loved the city still. But I was happy to leave, and I never thought I would say that. So... I don't know. It just seems like, does the state of the world concern you beyond cat cat food prices? Though, let's go a little deeper. Oh, than I'm that. just like, using that as an as an example. I know, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, uh, do, does the state of the world concern you beyond inflation? Just in the sort of divide and conquer culture that we live in. Yes, and I I feel it's probably. Um, a matter of my age group too. I'm for, I'm turning 45 this year and I feel like what I've been seeing around me is more polarization with the ideas of a duality and political system. Like we're uh we're in a republic where we have two choices between being a republican or a democrat. And I feel like there is this heavy polarization between those two things and there's no attitude towards there being any other options aside from those two things. And it, what I find concerning about that is the, the basis of talking to other people about this sort of stuff and 
I hear just in people's nomenclature and discussing it, they'll say things like, uh, our leaders, this, our leaders, that. And then I, I'm thinking to myself, they're not my leader. They're supposed to be my representative. And I'm not really certain that everybody's voices are being represented in this country. Does that make any sense at all? Absolutely. I don't even know that there's really two parties or if it's a sort of, um, you know, a mono party, so to speak, or if it's like sort of two sides of the same coin, basically. I mean, certainly there's a lot of people that aren't represented and, um, you know, censorship is running amok and i mean you're living in la though where i'm sure people are terrified to express uh non sort of woke ideas basically i mean that's like sort of the woke culture capital of the world where you are so if you even say anything vaguely edgy in, along those lines um you know it seems like a lot of people who i talk to that live there have to sort of say a certain party line and they have a certain way of speaking that feels like they're extra concerned about what somebody might think about what they say you know what i mean yeah i i understand the notion of that uh people being concerned about such things i i feel like what i'm after anymore nowadays is just authenticity I'm, I want to be authentic with anybody that I'm talking to and share the way that I feel about things. And I feel like that's the, the paramount attribute of good communication between two individuals. And definitely above and beyond anything else, I shouldn't feel like I need to tailor my responses to things on somebody else's outlook about life. And that's what all of this stuff boils down to is well do you have has... a, t a take on the political spectrum that might be sort of outside of the, sort of the left-leaning culture i mean like do you are you a biden guy do you are you going to vote for biden do you believe in him or or are you seeing through him and his corruption and hunter biden's laptop and all that stuff i mean what's your take on that or do you not feel comfortable saying Oh, I'm, I'm happy to talk about this sort of stuff. Um, I'm not really a big fan of Trump and I'm not really a big fan of Biden. Um, I feel like Biden is the lesser of two evils out of the two of them, but, um, <laughs> see my it's, point it's, exactly, man, <laughs> it's like, but, but, but let me finish this, like, this idea though. Like, we, we live in uh, a, uh, we, we live in a Republic where this is a bipartisan government nothing else can be voted for in terms of presidency that's the first thing i learned in a political science class when i took it in college but do you think biden is, ha is like do you think biden still has his mental capacity at all i mean the guy's clearly suffering from dementia it's not really vague it's like that doesn't concern you that he's clearly suffering from dementia if if i were to be completely honest with you about this i'm not 100% certain that I have all of the operational data to make any good decision about any of this stuff. I'm too busy being wrapped up in my old own world, trying to realize my own dreams and my own ambitions, which takes up all of my time. So I but can't have keep up insight, with You have instinct. You like, you can see enough. You can, you can see the atmosphere, you know, what's going on in the world you pick up enough you don't necessarily need to sort of be a political expert you sort of catch the atmosphere of things and and it's like 
I don't know. I feel like when people have a take along those lines, they're just afraid. And and I get it. You can get canceled and you can be like, oh, my God, you're a Trumper or this or that or the other thing. But it's leading people to not be able to say sort of things as they are. It's like Biden is clearly suffering from dementia. You don't have to see that many speeches to understand that there's something way, way off going on and that the guy has no business running the country at this point it's elder abuse practically it's it's like almost a humiliation ritual Uh, it's almost on that level so it's like i don't know you know it's 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 crazy we live in a world where just to to call it like it is can get you sort of quote unquote canceled you know let me let me present this to you as an idea um both Trump and Biden aren't that different in age from one another. But they're different in mental capacity and mental wherewithal. I mean, I just interviewed an 83-year-old uh, on this show in the first hour who is as sharp as it gets, was, is, is totally tuned in. He could be president of the United States, as far okay. as I'm concerned. It's not, it has nothing to do with the number of years you've lived. It has to do with your mental capacity. And you can tell when somebody, my grandma died from Alzheimer's. I can tell dementia. Anyone who's been around it, you can see, you can see it. It's not tough to diagnose, you know. It's, it's I would... early onset Alzheimer's. It's like, it's crazy. So I would uh love to see some younger blood taking an office. That would be wonderful. Um a lot of the candidates that I've had to choose from are all on the older side and there are advantageous attributes to somebody that's been around the block. You know, uh wisdom no, is I would a love very to see important younger thing. people. Okay, yes. so what do you think? I, I just okay, think that so would be... lately, like now, Russell Brand is calling out the fact that in the COVID mRNA injection campaign, that the mainstream media is finally starting to say, hey, something was off with these shots. Uh, even a mainstream media news broadcaster said she got myocarditis and that they're investigating it. And, it, and I don't know if you saw it, the latest Russell Brand thing on YouTube, but it's it seems like the mainstream media is finally saying common sense things that just anyone could see about the mRNA thing a few years ago, but we're afraid in the same sort of woke police way of saying that you would get canceled, but now the mainstream is saying it. So what what do you think of that? The fact that now all of a sudden that tide is shifting into a point where you're allowed to question the mRNA vaccine, whereas before, obviously, you were not. Well, my take on it is the United States government wasn't prepared for it whatsoever. And they had every opportunity to have been prepared for it. They had people advocating for more preparation for things of this nature because that's not what I'm asking you though. I'm asking you, I'm asking you, what do you think of the fact that you're now allowed to speak on it? Whereas before you weren't, I'm not talking about was was the government prepared for it or not. I'm talking about what do you think of the fact that you were not allowed to speak on it? And now you are allowed, a couple of few years later, now you are allowed to speak on it. 
Well, I think that's a perceptional based thing. I have no problem talking about things of this nature at all. I haven't felt like I can't talk about things of that nature at all. My take on it is that the United States. You didn't States notice that people were getting canceled a few years ago for talking about it? Of course. But you know what? Um, I feel like that sort of stuff is. Um, it's momentary. It's not something that lasts forever. Uh, it's, well, it's tell that to at people that lost. Tell that to people that lost their jobs. Tell that to people like, yeah, it's I, momentary I have friends for some. I have, it's momentary I have, for some. It's not momentary for all. It, it's you know, it, some people can overcome it, others can't. I mean, I'm sure countless well, people I, kill I themselves have, and I all have, the rest of it. So it's it's I deep. It's not just this momentary. Like, okay, go ahead. What's your explanation for that? Well you isolate people inside of a house for a couple of years and give them small particular ways to interact with one another. We're social creatures and we're going to start behaving very odd when our only way of communicating with one another, say is through zoom or no personal touch. We can't hug one another. Um, we can't share a room together. We can't share a meal together. Um, that does odd things to people that we're social creatures and it creates tension with us where there maybe wouldn't be as much patience and tension over the same subject matter. I mean, you could admit to something like that, right? Yeah, but I think you're missing the point. I mean, I think there was a nefarious agenda afoot and you're acting like, oh, it's just because behaviorally people changed because they were locked down. Now, there was definitely suppression, repression, censorship, and a campaign to smear and annihilate anyone who stepped out of line. I mean, it's clear. It wasn't just because people got locked down that they got agitated. They were provoked into agitation in a way that was well-formulated, and in thought in in advance notice and now you can see the fact that the tides are changing so drastically that there's so many uh, uh, such a huge rise in all all cause mortality due to the vaccines such a huge rise in cancer due to the vaccines that they can't deny it anymore so now the mainstream media has the green light to go ahead and soft sell and try to soft sell that now it's okay to say hmm something is a bit off about this injection actually yeah and we've known you know and and yeah it's weird i guess there was something and no acknowledgement that there was a lot of people that were saying this the whole time that got completely you know sort of destroyed by it no acknowledgement of that. They're trying to soft sell, introduce the idea that now that this is okay to speak about. And my point is well, that sort of woke oppression that won't allow someone to say Biden is clearly no longer home and should not be running for president. It's the same thing that makes that like an evil thing to say because it's just the truth. You know, it is like these things all get flipped as time goes by. And, and the mRNA is an example of that. Well, earlier on, I was trying to explain you're saying that I was off topic about something. And I actually don't think I was off topic about it at all. And if, if just give me about five minutes. Well, to I asked you a specific was... question. And so that you were and, going off, but you, didn't, you were but going you, into a different mm, trajectory. I was I, asking I you a specific agree. question. I don't but agree with, with your analysis of that situation, but if you would let <laughs> well, me have asking, five minutes okay. to explain, 
All right, let, let's, you, we'll give you five minutes right after these words on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Dr. Matthew Wilicki is a bit like Dr. Judith Curry. Both of them were prominent academics in their field, and they left their field because of the fact they could not put up with the whole global warming missive. And of course, they have become outcasts. Dr. Curry actually had some of her background at Penn State, and she has been called some mean and nasty names by Michael Mann, to a point where I don't understand why she hasn't sued him for libel and slander, but it's her life. In any case, Dr. Wilicki has this idea about rethinking climate change metrics. Now, this is not an old idea. In fact, one of my professors at Penn State back in the 70s said that temperature is a third-rate way of measuring climate. And he's right, because the temperature can spread apart from what we call the dew point. What is a better way to measure climate is with what we call wet bulbs. But better than that, the best of all is water vapor. We have something that we work with as meteorologists called saturation mixing ratios. And it shows a direct correlation between the amount of water vapor in the air and the temperature. So why aren't we quantifying water vapor? You know why? Because it will reveal that water vapor is the main driving force behind the warming. Now what's causing extra water vapor? Well, it's not extra CO2 in the air. It's the warming oceans. What's warming the oceans? That's not from the extra CO2 in the air either. So Dr. Wilicki's idea of rethinking climate change metrics is an excellent idea. And we should be quantifying water vapor. Fat chance given $63 trillion is already behind this whole net zero agenda. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. I said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe and I thought, you know, what are we going to do if I die here? <laughs> How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service and help save lives in the bush. You're with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I invite Mike Vitelli on to come play a song, and all he wants to do is argue about woke stuff. I'm just kidding. No, we're having a good time over here arguing and talking about woke stuff and whatnot and this, that, and the other thing. But, Mike, I want to ask you, too, about... Yeah. 
uh, social media too, because one of the things we bonded over when we walked on Wind Cave with our good friend Lance, aka Grady Haas, who runs the Desert Apache Junction house concert that Mike is coming and playing in the near future. Uh, one of the things we talked about was your relationship with TikTok. You had some TikTok success and you were doing some social media outreach stuff. Have you con- uh, continued on in that trajectory? Uh, social media is such an interesting beast because uh, with amongst everything else that's happening in our modern times, we don't even know the machine that is running out of control right now, if that makes any sense. Like there are, there was just a court hearing the other day in regards to all the different social media sites and how it's impacting uh, sexual trafficking, for example. And that's just one of an abundance of issues that are popping up because of social media. Social media is something that we do not fully understand yet. It's it's already something that is widely used by mm. a vast majority of the population. We don't understand all the psychological things that um, happen to us in using it, especially if it's on a daily basis. That's I've so caught myself like logging on to Instagram or Facebook without even thinking Mm -hmm. about it. I just pick up my phone and just automatically do it. And the reason that I was getting on Mm -hmm. my phone was to check my calendar or something. And I found that to be really interesting. I have a very love hate relationship with social media. Social media is strange. It's, it's a creature we don't understand. I totally agree. It's it's crazy. The amount of information that we're taking into our little brains all the time. I mean, if you think about, I mean, I'm, I don't know what, yeah, I'm a little older than you, but so I remember life without social media and so do you, you're old enough to remember it. But I, I mean, I lived a significant amount of my adult life without social media and yeah, we used to read books and like love the beat poets and like really investigate music and poetry and because all that in all that energy that we put into social media needed to go somewhere and it went towards like artistic pursuits and acquiring knowledge and now all of a sudden we're taking in all these personalities and all these perspectives all the time and it's kind of overwhelming our brains and yeah you're right we do this sort of zombie thing with like where suddenly i'll keep going back to X and looking at that over and over again and just sort of on autopilot. Yeah. I mean, that is just one of an abundance of things that you could think about with, with social media too. I mean, just also from a psychological standpoint, say something like some of the attributes that Carl Gustav Jung talked about where in just say our social interaction with, with one another outside of social media, Oftentimes we have what we call a persona that we're putting in front of ourselves. And this is the persona that we put off to the public. Even in a conversation between yourself and myself, mm-hmm. we perhaps we're both presenting a, a persona of one another that is covering up the, the deeper attributes of our personalities. And I think social <laughs> I think, media... Dude. Social Uh-oh. media is like that on steroids. It's it's uh, something that people can put whatever they want to put out towards the public. I'm happy all the time, for example. And 
none of us are happy all the time. That's part of human existence is that we have moments where we're sad, where life gets bad, life gets hard. But um, so social media, and it's it's a very much a choose your own adventure kind of thing. It's it's I do see. I guess what I'm trying to say is is it's easy for there to be cult of personality and all sorts of different stuff that people could be propagating all over the world to everybody. Um, and it, it very much is choose your own adventure. I, I, I myself shoot for authenticity with what I'm doing. And I think a lot of, of artists do because it naturally attracts people, um, being your authentic self and social media. I feel easily could become like a tornado or a hurricane for a person. I mean, uh, just uh, during the pandemic and and throughout after the pandemic, there were all of these really young teenagers that were were committing suicide that were uh, celebrities on, say, like TikTok, for example. And I don't know what to make of that. I feel like uh, it's it's doing things to people's minds that we're not completely aware of, of, of all the artifacts that it's leaving behind and, and the ways that, that it's, um, making an impression, especially on young people. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. I don't know. We, um, it's really a strange new thing because the other thing is we we live in this world where in order like we're all sort of becoming creators in a way i mean social media sort of sort of like throws a gauntlet down towards you and your dreams in a way because you're the sort of inroads to expressing yourself are there for you um but i think people realize they're sort of up against their own internal limitations and ability to actually pursue that stuff you know what i mean so it it is also added stress in that way because it's one thing like it say for instance when i was a singer songwriter before i got a record deal back in the 80s or 90s or whatever and and it was like oh i needed a record deal but so i just made a demo tape and then you know sent it off and that was hard enough um but now it's like yeah make music record music and then make video content that will blow up on social media and then you know sort of engage and then do this and there's so many things to actually sort of doing it right that it puts a lot of pressure on people that are trying to build some kind of career and it's actually in a way one of the only games in town especially now in the sort of defeated economy we live in and people not being able to sort of pay for their lives anymore it's interesting because it's a huge opportunity social media but then it's also sort of this reflection of your own personal limitations at the same time i would agree with that i i I, social media is something that i don't think i I don't think I could do music as a career without participating in social media. I, I don't see how that's possible in this day and age. And while I do love social media in some ways, I, I do feel like there are harmful attributes to it that aren't fully understood yet. 
And maybe if we give it like 30, 40, 50 years of existence of people using social media and a lot of study and research, we might find what some of those things are and be able to improve uh, people's mental clarity and health in using something like this. Because I do think it's a powerful tool to connect with people all over the world. And that is incredible and so powerful and so amazing and can be used for good. But I can also see a lot of ways that it could be manipulated and, and used in nefarious purposes as well too and um i find that to be a bit disconcerting but um the biggest thing is i don't see how somebody can do art in this day and age without using social media and that is a little bit of a concern to me um well that, you could you could implement your website you could do you could be a little bit more renegade digitally you could still participate in the internet and still express yourself online and sort of be outside of total dependency on social media i could see that actually being like a thing that more and more people will start doing i started a blog and i'm just using my website instead of substack um, but potentially, know, but, but I, like how, how many know. people can you think of that, um, are massively successful right now that have done so without using social media? Nick Cave, I mean, he uses, he uses social media, but, uh, his, his website is like done really, really well with his writing. But I mean, he's like already been a hugely famous artist. So yeah, I, I, I think you got a point there. I mean, do you do anything specifically for social media? Do you plot TikTok algorithms? Do you study it? Do you do it regularly? Do you take breaks? What's your own personal relationship like with it? I feel like it's as learning creatures, we it's impossible for us not to start seeing patterns. We're pattern-oriented creatures. So I'm not doing it on purpose a lot of times, but I am noticing as I uh, post a video to, say, Instagram, for example, and I'm doing it at this particular time, it might reach more people than, say, if I did it at 7 o'clock at night. And so sometimes I'm thinking about when I post things as to oh, people are, are not working a day job right now at 7 p.m. at night. They have time to sit down and listen to a song for a minute and a half or three minutes uh, versus posting at, say, 10 a.m., for example, while, while people are at work. I mean, there's, there's pattern-oriented things that I think I notice and I, I try to intrinsically start uh, replicating or doing continuously. But my biggest motivation is just to create songs like one of the things that I'm doing with my social media is I set a two hour time limit on my writing and I'm producing the song, I'm writing the song, uh, creating the lyrics and then posting whatever uh, I was capable of accomplishing in that two hour period. And I'm, I'm working on a dial of about eight or nine songs doing that. And uh, I sprinkle uh, covers, like my own arrangements of covers between that. But that's the, the vast majority of, of any kind of creative outlet used for social media. That's what I'm doing with it. Um, because I figure that's my thing. I'm a songwriter. I'm a storyteller. I'm a troubadour. And that's how I should be utilizing my social media is creating things and sharing it with people in that capacity. And when I'm on tour, it's harder for me to do that. So oftentimes I, I, I love photography and I'll try to take 
uh, photographs that move me in some sort of way in the places that I'm at, and then share stories about my life um, in whatever type of character count that they give me the ability to express myself in. And at the moment, that's that's mainly what my social media is about for me is is those two things. Well, what I've heard is that the algorithm has been throttled for everybody and that, um, you know, in, in a couple ways, social media has sucked everybody into its vortex. One, it, it used to be sort of really free. I mean, when it first came out, um, you could cultivate massive followings organically and you were free speech was definitely more of a thing there wasn't all this shadow banning and sort of that it's uh, absolutely oh, true you know and, and and so it sucked you in with this idea of it being a freedom sort of thing and then it sort of slowly pulls that freedom aspect away and yet you're we're all sort of bamboozled in the doors are closing behind us on the other side the other thing is you could have content that would get out in front of large numbers of people's eyes um, build organic big followings and then what happened is recently more and more people started noticing their numbers were way lower on instagram and stuff like that and so what happens is record companies boost certain posts so then it becomes a payola thing and, and marketing and sort of same as it ever was um so those shifts have occurred with social media what do you think about that i absolutely think all those things are true um yeah i think that when things first start it's it's an idea that started as a thought and then it turns into reality and somebody puts it out there. But eventually I think the human aspect of things is how can I start making money off of it? Because in America, we live in a capitalist society and the bottom line for a lot of things is, is not the same bottom line for say an artist, for example, which is to share human experience with one another. Uh, speaking for myself, I love sharing my story. If it's a sad song, perhaps it's in the capacity of letting another individual know they're not alone in the way they feel. And that uh, manifests human connection between two individuals. But as far as the social media service is concerned, what they're interested in is making money because they're a business. And if they're Facebook and Instagram and so forth, yes, they're interested in taking your money and making you a star. Am I wrong? I don't know if they're interested in making anyone a star, but they're probably interested be, in making I money. might be taking liberty saying think, that, but they're interested <laughs> in taking your money. I, I yeah, I, it's it's weird. I, I feel like there's something darker at root in these companies. There's something more sort of more psyop CIA driven or something about them. There there definitely seems to be not well, they just have straight up. Farms. I, I just mean it's it seems to be yeah, collecting bad information for humanity perhaps. in general and collecting information and also controlling That's and subjugating. The you know the other thing is speaking out in the COVID era that like it got everyone got addicted to likes and as soon as you really told the truth about something, all those likes went away and got replaced with uh, you know middle fingers so to speak. They don't have a middle finger button, but maybe they should. Anyway, Mike, I gotta wrap this up. Dude, it was fun talking to you. I hope next time you will play a song for I us. I will absolutely. I absolutely All right. will. I'm All sorry right. that well, I didn't then, this time. 
But I'll I tell know, you what, man. I've had so much fun jiving with you. This has been amazing, man. Thank you so much <laughs> yeah. for having me. And tell everyone where to find you speaking on social media. Tell everyone how to follow you. MikeVitaliMusic.com um, and at MikeVitaliMusic on all my different social media if you're interested in finding me on any of that. But uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, all right, Mike Vitale, keep listening to TNT, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.